and good evening, ladies and gentlemen, from the highest point on Florida State's campus and the hottest room in Seminole Sports. You are listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State, coming to you live from room 420 inside of Diffenbaugh. Save your jokes at the door. I am your host, Nicholas Carlisle, bringing you the latest, greatest, and Florida Statist in everything sports, or at least as much as we can fit within the hour for people all around the world. Of course, you can find us on Twitter at talk underscore tomahawk, and you can call into the show at 850-644-1837. Once again, that's 850-644-1837. Well, it's an exciting time at the station as the uh, the sports department has its first meeting tonight uh, at the station directly after the show. And it's exciting because we get to meet a lot of new people and also get to see some familiar faces. And uh, the conglomerate of those people are what makes the station tick behind the scenes. And they are the people that you hear on the radio uh, every two hours or so doing their shift. It's always been an exciting time for me personally. Um, I don't know about the rest of you, just to, just to meet these new people and see them fall in love with the station at the same way that a lot of us did and uh, evolve into becoming some really awesome anchors for the future. But with that all being said, we have an awesome show for you all tonight. Aftermath of a shocking week in both Seminole Sports and Sports Abroad, we've got the All-Star panel roaring and ready to go tonight, so let's get into it. What is a captain without his crew? I'm joined by my good friend and co-host, Chris Camacho. That's me. Who dat? Who dat? Who dat, Saints? Yeah, <laughs> wasn't a great victory, but uh, but we take W's. Well, <laughs> I, I mean, a great victory. The Eagles were probably the hottest team in the NFL. Sure, I mean, yes. It, the fact that that the Saints came out on top after, I, even though Vegas had them as the favorites, I think around the sporting world, everyone was expecting the Eagles to at least make this a close victory in favor of the Eagles, which which of course they did, and. Uh, Breaking his hiatus to come and be on the show tonight, V89 Nostradamus, Luke Fay, how was your first week of classes? Well, you know, I'm back. I'm back, guys. It's been a while. Two weeks. Two weeks. I'm back on the internet. Um, first day, you know, it was good. Uh, no homework, so that's that's always a plus. Well, is, yeah. a, is it like a what? A sixth-year senior? It, well, yeah. Uh, hey, we're, we're going for a good seventh here, <laughs> all right? We're making one more football lap. But, Nick, isn't this a... Uh, your first last for uh, bringing people into the station? This is my first last. This is going to be my final semester at Florida State unless uh, unless you know somebody – other you draw inspiration from me? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and also we have the Ray Allen of the Big Three, Mr. Gary in Jeets We Trust Putnick. Gary, of course, uh, the winter meetings have come and gone, but I want, a, a really, I want to really quickly – hear your report for how teams uh, have fared in the offseason thus far because from where I'm standing, it looks like the Yankees are just rolling in dough right now. I mean, they get D.J. LeMayhew. They don't really need a second baseman, but I guess they got one now, and no one still knows what the heck we're doing with Harper and Machado. So yeah, that's, a lot up in the air. Although the Phillies, Phillies looking like they're the favorite for for Harper, right? They've been in and out of it all year, all years. So it's just been confusing. It's very confusing. No one knows what's going on. I think on. everyone just wants to know where they're going. He, yeah. he followed Joel Embiid on Twitter. Uh oh. Uh oh. Well, he's also <laughs> that's, that's his the, dog's uh, name is maybe, Wrigley. Maybe, maybe the uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not joking. He's friends with Chris Bryant. Maybe somebody was uh, cheating on their Twitter hiatus. <laughs> and finally, um, <laughs> we have a fifth panelist at the table, Mr. Brandon Spencer. We were talking during the Duke game. Uh, question for you. Is Arena Nacho, or, excuse me, Arena Nacho Cheese the most awkwardly annoying food smell? 
Oh, it has to be. Oh, it has to be, especially when you're sitting a bunch of people uh, drinking a bunch of beer and having a whole bunch of nacho cheese right by, directly behind you, too. I don't think that mixes very well. I'm no, not sure why not. it's a combination, but no, it doesn't mix very well. Fans moving in and out of their seats. Oh, my oh. goodness. How many oh, times did that Lord. happen to us, Brandon? At least 10 times. It At was unbelievable. It was crazy. Unbelievable. No, it had a. There's. I'm pretty sure there was a concession stand right behind uh, Media Overflow, uh, <laughs> Section 113 in the Tucker Center. So, well, you know what place wasn't? I didn't have that problem. Momo's Pizza. Okay. Well, it was not crowded okay. at Momo's Pizza. Uh, no, no uh, partnerships or sponsorships on the I, show. I, but, I didn't say that. But, I just said but, it was Momo's. Well, I'm sure I mean, you can tell your kids like about that. A little, that. Bit. A little good, bit. Good pizza. A little, little bit. <laughs> and no crowd. No crowd. Uh, no line. Good views. <laughs> Uh, Chris Camacho, Luke Fake, Gary Putnick, Brandon Spencer, and once again, I'm your host, Nick Carlisle, and we are starting off the top, which if you didn't already know, is the segment where I take a look at the past week in sports, uh, rip the top stories, and ask our panel about them, forcing them to come up with the answers off the top of their head at the top of the show, and tonight, ever since he arrived on the college football landscape, Kyler Murray has been a star, or is at least predicted to be the next multi-sport athlete, joining the likes of Russell Wilson, Bo Jackson, Tony Gonzalez, Deion Sanders, even Jameis Winston, if you remember, he used to be that uh, baseball guy for a while, and it's uh, it's always been the question as to which sport that he would elect to stick with in the end. Well, now the question gets a little bit closer to being solved as Murray declared for the NFL draft earlier today. Now this gives him 72 hours to pull out from the NFL draft if he wants to, essentially giving him more time to choose between the NFL dreams uh, with an unknown team or play baseball with the Oakland Athletics. Gentlemen, there is no right or wrong answer, obviously, but what do you think of this development and do you think that Murray is making the right call? Will he end up sticking with the NFL or will he head to the major leagues? Of course there's a right or wrong wrong answer no i'm just kidding sorry i'm taking an ethics class and it's all right and wrong anyway <laughs> um no i i i i think kyler murray is playing his options the best way that he possibly can he as we were saying before the show he's he's got the mlb right where he wants them um and i think the way that he's he's playing his cards is just it's, it's really smart like you said he has now he has 72 hours to further his decision and, and even still he really doesn't have to make a decision uh to play for the athletics until a little bit before spring training starts so he's got time however i think kyler murray is going to come out a significantly richer man <laughs> than he was before how bad do you think the oakland athletics feel now after letting him go to play his last season at oklahoma and saying instead of saying hey you got to go play rookie ball you got to do whatever short season yeah, I mean, at, at that point, it's – I mean, that's really the decision that you come mm -hmm. to every time with players like yeah. that. And it's looking now that, at least at this point, it looks like they're going to be regretting it, yeah. Luke. Uh, you know, I think that uh, Chris is right, that Kyler Murray is going to make a lot of money either way. Uh, if, if you're going for longevity, it's it's got to be baseball. Yeah. Cause, but the thing is, quarterbacks, they get paid pretty darn well in the NFL, but can he – Live up to three or four years of ball at five foot nine. That's well, he'll, he'll that's have the money he to is. pay for those for those medical expenses. But, but if we're if we're talking about as a player, now he's going to have to juggle between being a baseball player and a football player, and those are two separate type of training. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. he's going to have to dedicate. I don't know how this guy's going to have any time if he wants to train to be a football player, and while while hitting in the cage and doing drills as. Well, no, see, I, I don't think he's going to. I don't think it's going to be a Bo Jackson situation where he's going to be playing NFL on the weekends and baseball during the week. No, I, no neither, a, neither do I. What I'm saying is 
if he wants to keep himself sharp for the NFL draft, right. he's going to have to do that. But then now he's taking away from baseball, and at the last second, if he decides, you know what, football isn't what I want to do, mm-hmm. I'm going to do baseball. He's going to show up the spring training and hasn't hit a live-action ball since, what, uh, summer, since summer, hitting, hitting a baseball. Yeah. And now you're jumping up a level. I mean, he didn't. It wasn't like he was batting 340 in college mm-hmm. ball. I, I think, think he was, batted 280. Yeah, I think it was 280 or 290. Um, but yeah. it's that speed in both sports that they love. And so I don't know. It, I think they said that they waived, if I'm right, they waived the thing to where they can give him like a major league contract like he's a they're, major league they're player. Trying, they're trying to work something they're out. They're considering it, I believe. They're like saying like, hey, you might. That I think they waived the rule. I saw that. But to, like now he's going to get 15. They said something they, around 15 There's million. a rumor that it was 15. But it's, it's going to be a minimum, maybe $10 million. Mm-hmm. Brandon, so I mean, he's playing this right. He's playing it right. Brandon, yeah, I think he's leverage, leveraging his skill set and his position the best way that he possibly could. Either way, he's going to leave out of this, like you guys are saying, making millions and millions of dollars. And at the end of the day, if he does decide to go the football route, he can always come back and join the A's and with the minors and work his way back up to the majors. So yeah, he's got the talent. Yeah. Definitely does. Yeah. So. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not sure that he 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 is sure that he knows what he's doing. <laughs> uh, and quite honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if he does end up using this three days that he has to think more about it and then go and play baseball. I wouldn't be surprised if that happens. But in the end, my current thinking right now, I think he probably will end up playing football. I think that is mostly due to playing time more than anything else. He's going to get time in the minor leagues. They're not going, even though he would potentially get a major league contract. That's part of the bending of the rules that the uh, MLB is talking about right now. Right. He'd probably be playing in where uh, Midlands. Texas or somewhere, <laughs> somewhere in Wisconsin, somewhere uh, in Tim, but, but some, I, somewhere mm-hmm. in Timbuktu. Um, Nick but, is not the first one though. Patrick Mahomes was drafted no, as absolutely. well, and so and it's, it's he kind took of, the other route, and that worked pretty well for him. It's it that's and that's definitely towards the benefit of Murray. Seeing what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do, you know, AFC Championship game in his second season as a mm-hmm. starter, it's incredible. But I don't think first season as a starter, second season as a pro. Thank you. Um, <laughs> You talk about the money. I don't think it's a money thing. At least he hasn't shown the Antonio Brown character trait uh, to me yet. (laughs) But I think that in a league that seems to still have a place for the dual-threat quarterback, especially with the emergence of uh, Lamar Jackson towards the end of the season, Kyler has essentially uh, a lot of potential uh, suitors in the NFL that offers up a lot of different options for him personally, whereas baseball is essentially a lock at this point. Uh, you're going to be in Oakland, and you, of course they're minor league affiliates. Not to mention that I really think that uh, it's a sluggers league right now more than anything else. And Murray is a fast defensive player. Uh, he hits the ball well enough, but he's kind of that play style that's kind of fallen out of favor a little bit. Everybody likes the sluggers right now, and uh, in the end, I think that the spectrum of options in the NFL is going to be very attractive to Murray, and he's going to end up staying declared for the draft. There are a lot of teams I can see taking a chance on Murray right away, specifically teams that have quarterbacks that are about to close the door on their careers. I could see teams like Pittsburgh, New England taking a chance on Murray. They'll break. He can probably play till he's 50. Uh, I can also see the Broncos being a team that could potentially Miami? take. Miami is going to wait. I think Miami, depending on, and we're going to get into this later in the se- later in the show, but I think depending on what happens in Philadelphia, Miami might take a flyer, might take a trade chance on Carson Wentz. Uh, but there, the Giants as well. The Giants as well. But I think we'll get into this later. Uh, there are a few teams that do need quarterbacks. New York Giants being one of them. I think Haskins is a, is a clear number one, and uh, he'll be above Murray on most draft boards anyway. But this is interesting. I do think he'll end up picking the NFL right now. But I do think we'll see Murray in the MLB at some point. I just don't know when. 
Uh, but with that being said, that was the Off the Sox 7, presented by me, sponsored by me, delivered by our panel tonight. Uh, before we dive into the heavy heartbreak that Florida State basketball has felt this week, uh, I do want to quickly go over and talk about a few little things that happened around Seminole Sports this past week that are a little bit more uplifting and under the radar, first of which being the Florida State, uh, that Florida State baseball has been ranked as number 13 in the, uh, the poll uh, to number 11's last season. As a skipper of the Knolls, I can't wait for baseball season. That is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, the 20th-ranked men's tennis team won the Florida State Spring Invitational Championship this past week against FAU. has a very, very solid tennis team. Uh, both men and women swimming and diving and has also started back up. Joshua Davidson won ACC Diver of the Week honors this past week. Uh, congratulations to Joshua. And then we come to basketball. Uh, which band-aid do we want to rip off first? Do we want to talk women's or do we want to talk men's? Let's get women's over yeah. with. Women's over because, with. Because, you know, that's – that's they're both sad. It's, but it's, we it's, can talk a lot about yeah. the other one. more surprising. Uh, I'm sorry, what was that, Brandon? To me, that one was more surprising. The, the, the women's game. The women's dropping the game right. to Clemson. I would get, well, and, and the thing is, is that Clemson is one of those teams in the ACC that is not at the top. But it's always one of those teams that you will struggle with. And that's kind of the, the story that happened this past week against Clemson as uh, Florida State women's basketball coming back to the Tucker Center first time after getting a couple of really, really close wins on the road. Their ACC home opener. Their ACC home opener. And it's what I, at least, have been saying all year. When you get the main scorers in trouble, and of course this could be said for a lot of basketball, but when you get the two uh, main scorers in, tr in trouble, this being Nikki Komu, and uh, Kai Gillespie, there is nobody else on that team that is going to be able to pick up the slack, and that's essentially what you saw. I think it was 27% shooting, yes. at least in in the entire game or the second half at the very least. I'm not quite Correct. sure. No, 13.6 in, in the third. Right. And, you know, it's worse, it's worse than you thought mm -hmm. at mm -hmm. that point. So, Chris, this being the home opener, obviously we know that this team is young. We know that this team has a lot of work to do, and they – for the most part, we're kind of overlooked out of non-conference play, you know, going on a gigantic win streak. And then now you get to these ACC games and it's kind of looking well. Maybe they're still not as strong as we thought. So where, where, where's your head on this women's basketball team right now? I, I think this is just a game that they dropped. Um, again, as we said, it is, it's a young team. I, the, the outlook for this season, I think they'll end up just fine. The, their postseason run is, is, is still definitely up in the air. Um, however, I, I think this is just a game that was dropped. Clemson is a they're, they're a twelve and five team that's maybe about midway in the ACC right now. And 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 if you look at their first two ACC wins uh, against Virginia and North Carolina, those are those are pretty good teams. Pretty good teams squeaked out with one and two point victory margin. Um, but I think this is just a game that that they dropped against against Clemson. Brandon, you said that this was the more surprising uh, result out of the two. Why do you say that? Um, just because of how well the our uh, the the women's basketball team has been playing lately, uh, uh, the guards, uh, Wolfolk has been playing great as of late. She struggled on Sunday, as well as Delipsy shot five for seventeen. She struggled a lot, and so it's just it's hard. It was it's, I was just very surprised to see how badly they shot and at home when the, especially if they. It, just got back from a couple huge road wins so i'm expecting him to come back here and play very well from the home crowd first acc home opener and i honestly thought they're going to win by they were going to be the ones winning by double digits right as opposed to losing but i mean i mean that's just what just one of those games when i think they actually need in order to turn everything back around they needed one of those bad games 
I think it's it's a it's it's what they talked about earlier is the lack of depth in the team. So they go the bench, on the road. The bench had zero and, points, and, mm-hmm. and they get tired. They get tired. They were on the road, and they come back in, and they just I playing five freshmen and losing your your players at the start of the season. I think they lost two players that were yep. going to be starters. Their best freshmen. Uh, their best freshman, and then uh, another, I think, of sophomore, um, into a, a scooter accident. Right. So, mm-hmm. at, at that point, Florida State here is just—they're trying to learn and and, and get better. Do the, is this team going to make a run in the tournament? No, but it's going to be one of those teams that the coach looks back two years down the road and says, "We learned more this season than we did in any other season out there." And it's it's a building year, and you sort of learn how to play college college basketball and. You're gonna lose games like yeah. this that you aren't supposed to. And hey, fourteen and fourteen and two for a developing team—that's that's not terrible. It's not bad. It's not you bad. said twenty-three turnovers. Twenty-three turnovers. Eight, mm-hmm. eight assists. Twenty-three turnovers. That's a bad game for a. Developing but zero. Team. I think the zero bitch points is—it's just you can't you can't have that. That was bench points, by the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Gary, uh, do you do you echo do you get uh, echo the sentiment uh, the, that Luke gave right there? Yeah, no, it's for sure a teaching year, like. You lost. They lost a lot of t- uh, players to the dra- or two big players to the draft last year. It's just what happens every now and then. You can't be a dominating force every year, so that's just how it goes. Yeah, but- and uh, women's basketball. We're in the top twenty-five. They have fallen out of it again. Fourteen and two, six in the ACC right now. Uh, next couple of games they have against at Boston College, and then Duke is visiting the Tucker Center, and then you have number four Louisville, which is a very very scary team right now. Chris. I know it's Lawrence. a little it's a, <laughs> it's a little bit further down the road, but how do you how do you see that game going? How do you see Florida State's next couple of games going leading up to that? Is this uh, the game against Louisville is at home? The game against Louisville is at home. Okay, well that helps. Um, it does I, help. I, again, it's a developing team. I don't think they'll pull the victory against Louisville, unfortunately. Um, but I think having the home field advantage. If so, you, do you remember last year when when Coach Sue had the game against Notre Dame? It, it was the every, every, what is it? Show up at the tuck. I, I forget the the hashtag. Pack that was the pack the tuck. Thank you. Um, I think that would be a great game to have for that. Get all the fans out again. If it's if it's a bad loss like it was against Notre Dame last year, maybe not the best time. But um, I, I I think having that home field advantage can at least make it a closer closer game than people would expect brandon do you do you see the team rebounding strongly these next few games um i definitely think they're gonna uh it's gonna be a a big learning curve from this game for sure um against louisville this year i don't think it's gonna i think (laughs) i don't think that's gonna be a good game for them at all even though they did beat louisville last year if i'm not mistaken i want to say you're correct I, I do I do think they did beat louisville last year but then again that adds more to a hunger of louisville coming in and I believe they're coming off a loss as well. So wow. this last year, last year, fifty to forty nine, Florida State won. Yeah, we won. We beat mm-hmm. them last year. Mm-hmm. And I mean, again, this is a rebuilding team. But I think take away that Louisville game, yes, they're going to improve from here. But other than that, no, that that game's going to be a wash. Switching <laughs> over, switching over to uh, men's basketball now. Men's had two games uh, this week, very important games, and obviously one uh, one everybody wants to talk about. Uh, and Miami. the uh, <laughs> and it's and it's not Miami, uh, Gary Putnick. Um, the Miami game, and uh, you hate to you hate to wash over it. Um, and I'm not saying that we're going to completely wash over it, but when you have a game as big as Duke versus Florida State, you know Duke being the powerhouse that it is, 
um, that the other game kind of just kind of gets thrown under the bus a little bit. Uh, and, and to that being said, it, it was a nice comeback victory for Florida State. You know, there was there was a, a big foul discrepancy in this game. I think it was like maybe 13 straight minutes or something like that uh, where Miami was not called for a foul and there was players in foul trouble. It, it was a game that, uh, Brandon, you said that Florida State was definitely looking ahead to the Duke game, and I'm inclined to I'm inclined to agree with you in that aspect. And, of course, it's also the game that's the aftermath of the Virginia beating um, mm. or the, the act of losing to Virginia. I should have worded that a little bit better. So that was the game that you get yourself together, and then obviously you get ready for uh, the big Duke game again. Florida State won that game against Miami uh, on Wednesday Wednesday night. Wednesday it was a Wednesday remember. night, a 68, 9 p.m. Game. game, 68 to 62. And then you get to Saturday afternoon, number one Duke versus number 13 Florida State. Coach K in the house. Coach K in the house. He, he like, I'll, I'll say this starting off, and, and then we'll go into the game. Out of all the, the coaches that I've had the opportunity to sit in and, and be a part of the press conferences, I'd have to say that Coach K is probably my favorite. Hmm. Very, you, you said you were a little starstruck. I was a little starstruck, and it, it's not often – that in I guess in this work that because you know you deal with players and coaches all the time it's not often that that happens to you but you know this is one of the best coaches to ever do it and he was very complimentary of Florida State um, I think he said he said at one point it's like finally they we got them to stop dunking on this and uh, the press conference had was a, he tall was he tall he was no no yeah, way I think I was <laughs> taller I think I'm about six one and I think he's like six foot he's well, not that not that it necessarily matters when you draw up a play. He's five ten. Is five it, ten. Was it obvious that he dyes his hair, or did you see any gray hairs? <laughs> <laughs> he was kind Show of some respect. What, Gary. Well, what did you think of his blazer? Well, <laughs> Gary, I wasn't sitting right next to him, so I don't know if the Rogan's working or not. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. With that oh being said, <laughs> with that being said, uh, great guy, great guy, great guy. Um, <laughs> don't think you're going to get a one-on-one with him now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you kind of walked me into that one, Lufe. I uh, have to give you credit for it, but um, this game obviously a heartbreaking game for Florida mm. State. You come 2.8 seconds away from being probably the best team since 2015, Kentucky, and that was a game. That was a team with Carl uh, Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, the Harrison brothers, and uh, whatever have you. That was the team that everybody's like, well, they're going to go undefeated. They're going to win the tournament. Of course, they lost to Wisconsin in the uh, the Final Four game. This is the best team in college basketball since that Kentucky Wildcat team for my money, Luke. What what's your biggest takeaway from this game? You know they battled back in the second half. Um, they they just Duke was better, like as a as a unit, just talent wise. And it seemed like I, I was watching the game with Brandon over here on my left, and we're watching it, and it looks like Florida State is dominating that first ten minutes of the game, and they were up one point, and then they get they get absolutely dominated at the the last ten minutes of the first quarter. And they make that huge run, and you go, okay. You know, they, they, they brought the crowd back in. And then you go and you look to the second half, and they were playing so well. But it was just – I mean, Zion wasn't even, wasn't even playing in the second half. They, It seemed like Duke just never really batted an eye. I don't know if you guys got that impression, but that, like, we've got – you know, we've got this. We, we've got this. It's And, and Florida State, I, I hate to say it, but they thought they won the game. And I think everybody did. thought they right. won the game. Well, but, Brandon and I, as critical basketball <laughs> players, were telling us who's going to shoot the final shot. It's not going to be R.J. Barrett because he didn't. Called out the last play. And and what do you know? We said we both said Cam Reddish, and uh, he knocks it down, and none of us were shocked. It was just that was that was brutal. Gary, what what about that last call where 
three defenders both are looking at each other going, oh, no, you had him. I mean, it's just credit to play design. He, I watched it again. I, like, tried to slow down the video, and I saw how Coach K drew – I can't remember the kid's name, but he drew him over to uh, get off Trent Force because Trent Force was guarding him. He drew him over onto Man, who's guarding Reddish, and he stopped both of them, and both of them kind of yeah. cling to this one guy mm-hmm. and left Reddish open, wide open for the shot. Wide open. So it was just like a stack play and just kind of bunching everyone up in the paint to try and get isolation. I didn't I didn't necessarily get the feeling that you did, Luke, that, that Duke wasn't necessarily batting an eye against this Florida State team. I think this was probably one of the more difficult games that this team has had to face thus far, a very, very tough home environment, or, or excuse me, away visiting environment for mm-hmm. Duke. And it was the loudest I've ever heard the Tucker Center. Oops. And it, it was an environment that, you know, the team with four, four, four freshmen... That's a that's a great win without Zion. It's a, it is well. a great win, but but on Zion. but on the other hand, you could say it well, a lot. It, it, I feel like as as heartbreaking as this loss was for Florida State, and as talented as you could say that Duke is, I could if this game gets played over a couple more times, it, I think it goes down to the wire almost well, every again, single time. Again, you, you're two point eight seconds away from beating the number one team in the country, and mm-hmm. it's left up to an ISO shot. And to this guy. and to what you said, it, it it really goes either way. Sure, Duke play the entire second half without Zion Williamson. Mm-hmm. But, and you could say, obviously, that would change the game. I mean, Florida State was having Lob City without Zion in the game. The paint was oh, completely yeah. exposed, ex- <clears throat> excuse me, exposed. <throat> and Florida State was basically having a way, and that's how they really stayed in the game for a large part of that second half. But you could also make the case that this game could be extremely different if Florida State didn't have all those turnovers in the first uh, first 10 minutes of the game. I think, what was it, 11 turnovers in the in the first half or something that's like that? That's what I was going to get into as well. Like, a couple things I noticed – especially in the first half, and that was one thing that Zion really, like, killed us on his offensive boards. They got a lot of offensive mm-hmm. rebounds in the first half, and they defend the rim well in the first half. But you take Zion away, away they don't get all those offensive rebounds. Mm-hmm. We're getting to the basket more easily, and I think that's really what turned the game around for us. And in terms of that last play, it goes on, I think, what a lot of people don't talk about, or a couple things. One, we didn't get the defensive rebound on the free throw, on the missed free throw. Right. Mm-hmm. right. If we get that Crucial. rebound, it's game over. We're pretty much we pretty much won the game. Right. Uh, two, the chess game that Coach K was playing with the timeouts, <laughs> oh ridiculous. Because oh. he he set up Coach Hamilton in a way that all right, he set up his play. He looked at the personnel. All right, call timeout. Coach Ham looks to see he changes up what he's doing. Coach Ham calls timeout. He calls timeout again and switches it up again as he sees what Coach Ham is going to do. And he leaves Coach Ham with no timeout just in case so we, he can't advance the ball. It was genius. We, we, we refer to that as icing the inbound pass. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> it was amazing. We're going to talk a little bit more about this game on the other side. We're about at the halfway point here. Uh, you're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. We'll be back in 90 seconds. Come slowly, I feel a bit out of touch With all this daily heartache, it hurts me so much I cannot help it if I'm hard to love There's things about me that you don't know I don't like acting tough You can be serious and I can be mysterious Share my feelings every day But you'll just smile at me and say I love you, baby, and I love you, doll. Times they get tough, but my heart won't change at all. I love you, baby, and I love you, doll. The 
Tuesday, come gently, I feel a little blue. I used to shine deep bright red when I was with you. And everything changed, only I stayed the same. All my blue skies turned to gray, and all my flowers turned away. You can be serious, and I can be mysterious. Share your feelings every day, but I'll just smile at you and say, I love you, baby, and I love you, doll. Times they get tough, but my heart won't change at all. And welcome back to the Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. And on the other side of the break, we were talking about uh, the biggest game or the biggest men's basketball game in a long time here for Florida State. Uh, Florida State versus Duke, of course, the heartbreaking buzzer beater, the the last second, or I guess it was the last two second three because Florida State did have .8 seconds, but you know, with that amount of time, I think uh, I probably classify that as needing more than a miracle uh, in order to win. Obviously, very very crushing. And talking a little bit about the turnovers, uh, Chris, you brought up a stat. It was it twenty points off so of turnovers. Duke was, uh, yeah, scored twenty points off of turnovers. Although I think they're the number two team in the country with points off turnovers. So I mean that's that's no surprise. But it, I think that just supports the statement that turnovers killed Florida State in this game. Seventeen turnovers total in the game. So where do you go from here? Obviously, Florida State had a t- had a, a very very quick turnaround. They're actually playing right now. They're playing Pitt, uh, Pittsburgh, and they are currently down by one. It's nineteen to twenty with seven forty five left to go in the first half. This is a very very crucial game for Florida State. Obviously, when you lose a game like this, emotions are extremely high. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's obviously a question of self doubt, uh, the what ifs, the could ifs, the what ifs, and uh, this is a very very crucial game. For Florida State, Pittsburgh is 11 and five, one and two in the conference. Not the worst team, not the best team, but definitely a team that can hurt you when you are having a bad night. Yeah, I, th- I think it's crucial. This game is crucial in the sense, as you said, Pitt's not a team to write home about necessarily. But I think it's crucial to show that you are still a great team. That that you only lost to the number one team in the country because of that last second shot. It's it's to show that you're still mentally there. And look, I, th- I think even the AP poll gave Florida State. A huge pat on the back. They did rose two spots from 13. Exactly. I mean, the win on Miami helps, um, but just the fashion in which they play. Uh, Gary, you talked about before that the fact that the teams that were ahead of Florida State, that they got demolished. Yeah, like UNC had their worst home loss ever to, to Louisville. Louisville. That was what a game. If mm-hmm. you all got the chance to watch that, that was a great game. They but actually put the Duke game on before the North Carolina game ended. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. just to show you how yeah. bad of game that was. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we move on to anything else, and, you know, it's it's there's so much to talk about with this game that we're going to miss something. Uh, it's it's inevitable. But I what I don't want to miss is I don't want to say the emergence because he's been playing extremely well lately, but I do want to talk about the absolutely insane game that Fiondu Cavangeli had. What an emergence <laughs> of a game this young man had. Double-double, I'm not quite sure. I, he, he definitely had 10 rebounds. I'm going to quickly look back up the stats here give me one second he had 24 points 10 rebounds uh two steals three blocks i mean if you're an nba scout and you're and you're here uh you know scouting for zion and cam reddish and rj barrett and you see this young man cabin gelly putting up the numbers that he has gary what do you what can you say that hasn't already been said about Kevin Gelly. He's just way more physical than Kamaji. And that, it always confuses me every time I see Kamaji in the starting lineup. Like, he's well, he's a string bean. You can't put it that teach 7-4. You can't teach 7-4, but you can teach 
the game of basketball and how to play. And uh, Kumaji isn't a better basketball player than Kevin Gelly. And that's just plain and simple right there. Um, I've been saying since, I think since the tournament run that, that Florida State had, Kevin Gelly is a pro. He he could do he he pretty much does it all for this team. He's now knocking down threes. He rebounds well. He defends the basket great. Three blocks he had against Duke, um, and he has a he's a high motor guy. And I think that's one of the reasons why he's coming off the bench so he can bring off that high motor off the bench when uh, after we bring Chris out the game. But I don't want to take anything from Chris because I think Chris played very well against Duke he did. as well. Three but three. yeah, but Cat Miguel he he is a pro in my eyes. No yeah. doubt about it. Absolutely. I like I like everything that Brandon just said there, but I go and look back and go, if Obiagu had stayed, could you imagine him and Cabangeli down low just mm-hmm. blocking shots? I mean, mm-hmm. Obiagu had a great – he had a really, he had a fantastic really, really good mm-hmm. tournament as well. And to lose him, that stinks because now you – Kumaji, you know, he's, 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 he's hot and cold. Out. He really is hot and cold, but he's soft. That's the real problem. Mm-hmm. And so they bring in Kevin Gelly a little bit later so that he can come in and go against a more tired defense. But if you have Obiagu and Kevin Gelly, that would have been this Florida State team would have been the same thing that they last year they were a blocking machine. Um, and so it kind of stinks to see that how much better this team could be. Kind of like when um, Malik Beasley decided not to come back. I thought that we would have made a huge run if we had Beasley back. So. And also, if, if we still had Obiagu as well, it always it'll also give Chris a reason to work harder because his position is not solidified. Mm-hmm. Instead right. of one, that's two other guys who plays harder and more physical than him that can just you know take him out of the if lineup. Anything, the only thing uh, Kumaji has on uh, on Kevin Gelly is, is experience. Is just years, experience mm-hmm. and size. But right. With that, with that all being said, I think the biggest takeaway that in, in just in big picture. Duke has already lost a basketball game this year. They almost lost two this past weekend. Duke can bleed. You know, you talk about the Batman versus Superman. Do you ble- Duke can bleed. They are not immortal. Sure, you know, you have the number one, number two, number three top-ranked recruits from last year, but this is a team that can fall apart in some tough situations, and they almost fell apart uh, against Florida State. I mean, and Florida State did everything that they needed to do except close the game out they shot extremely well Phil Kofer was absolutely unbelievable in this game one probably one of his best games at his time here at Florida State uh five for eight uh from three-point range uh 21 points overall seven rebounds um did turn the ball over five times but that's just <coughs> that's just a small blemish on the type of the game that he had especially after Zion went out of the game it was Man really was the Phil Kofer show 1.5 percent incredible shooting performance yeah but uh, with that being said, of course, Florida State is playing Pittsburgh right now. Uh, they are down two, uh, so it looks like it's going it to be. A, a second ago. An, it was just tied a second ago, so it looks like it's going to be another close game uh, at this point in time. But there are other things besides Florida State men's basketball. Uh, there was a national championship last week. It fe- it's hard to imagine that there was That's a national crazy. championship game last <laughs> week because crazy. it feels like it's been forever. Shout out to Brandon Spencer for, for hosting us. Yes, that thank was, you, Brandon. That was, well, mm-hmm. that was a great party. Oh, what, what a pizza surprise. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> this man orders four pizzas, and the, nobody was expecting Luke, you were sitting at the door, and you got a knock. I was sitting at the door. Oh, Gary. Gary. Now I will I will say that probably Gary's favorite moment of the entire national championship was the Imagine Dragons halftime show. It was. <laughs> it was. It was. Other than Alabama losing, yes. Other than, uh, <laughs> which of course Alabama did 
in shocking fashion. I want all of you listening at home to raise your hands if you thought Clemson was going to spank Alabama as bad as they did. And now I want you to put your hands down because you are absolutely lying to <laughs> me. I can see you. Put your put your hand down. Um, big brother. Big, yeah, big brother. Put your hand down. You did not think that Clemson was going to do what it did to Alabama. This is probably going to go down. It's obviously not going to be an ESPN Classic game. It's not close. <laughs> um, but when you take a look at the implications of this game and what it means for this for the for the the spectrum that is college football, Alabama's not king anymore. Clemson is now the king of the jungle. The Tigers are now the king of the jungle. And this was really, really hard for Alabama. And, of course, a lot of people around the world are very happy about this um, because Alabama is the the devil with horns. But losing by 28, the largest margin of defeat for uh, Nick Saban at Alabama. Chris, just off the top of your head, what happened during this game? If you can remember that far back. It it really does feel like it was ages ago. But honestly, I, I... I don't want to say that Alabama went into this thinking that that they had the game because you, you can't do that against against Clemson. Um, but I, I just I really think Davo Sweeney and Clemson had Alabama's number. Like there was nothing, there was nothing that Alabama did that Clemson didn't have an answer for. Um, just I, I I think it was just it was a case of Clemson won this game. I don't think Alabama lost it. I just think Clemson was the better team in this game. Florida State fans, I want you to uh, listen up here because if you take a look at Dabo Sweeney and what he's been able to do with that program, this is exactly, well, not necessarily exactly, this could be potentially what happens when you let a coach take their time and build a program the way that he wants to. And you know where I'm going with this. (laughs) Taggart has had one season, ladies and gentlemen, Give him time, and that's all I'm going to say on the matter. I just feel like that needs to be said because Dabo was in a very, very similar situation. Underperforming, Clemson wasn't getting back to the glory that they were used to, and Dabo says uh, something along the lines of, give me a couple more years, you will never be uh, out of a bowl game again. And here we are, 2018, two championships, and the best program in college football. I want to go back to your other point that you made that you said Clemson's now the king of college football. I, it's still one. They're one A, one B. You could just say they're both one A together. Because I'm not ready to call Alabama dead and gone yet. Because they're still oh, going to well, be not, there every year. I'm definitely year. not saying that they're dead and well, gone. Well, yeah. But I think Clemson. I, I mean, I don't. It's a rental. Yeah, it's, yeah, a, it's rental. a yeah, it's a rental. Yeah, I like that. That's a better way of putting it. Because like you can't say someone that's been the championship the last four years and only lost two of them to the same team is not the king or up there. But mm. the fact that they lost two of them to the same team just goes to show mm. how and much this one, powerhouse and Clemson has shown themselves to be, especially the first team to ever go 15-0. That mm. says something. Well, they could be considered one of the best football well, teams of all time. you got to remember that not Okay, too many, too many. <laughs> not too many teams have had the opportunity of playing 15 games in a year since then. So that's I, I think that's a biased stat. Or like, I, I want to go back to Chris. And what he said about the start, Clemson came out and they punched Alabama in the mouth. Mm-hmm. That pick six, everyone in the room was going, oh my is this what's supposed to happen? Alabama goes and scores right away. But Clemson just kept on going, and that's that's exactly what they need to do. I remember we said that Florida State needed to come in the Virginia Tech game and punch them in the mouth early. They didn't do it. Clemson came in there. They knew. They knew that Alabama was known as superior to them, but they believed in themselves, and they came out. And those throws that Trevor Lawrence made oh, were un- unbelievable. I mean, technique-wise, some of those he was getting hit a little bit off of his back foot, and they were dimes, mm-hmm. absolute dimes. And so what I'm saying is 
I think that Clemson came out new and believed in themselves, and they had Dexter Lawrence, their top <laughs> defensive lineman, out, mm-hmm. and it didn't matter. Alabama got manhandled <laughs> by Clemson. Could you imagine if they had Dexter Lawrence in there? I mean, that team was complete. That's what it was. They mm-hmm. were complete. And I think that was the difference, the battle in the trenches. Oh, yeah. Clemson dominated in the trenches, and that's the reason why they were able to pull away. And Justin Ross and his – just oh, those catches. Beautiful catches, <laughs> one-handed catches Who was the better freshman? that he was making. <laughs> it's hard to say at I, this point. Can I just say I'm I'm terrified as a Florida State fan to play them next year? <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. At least it's not at home. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it should be. We see how they did to us this year. Yeah. It can the, be the worst road the loss in Florida State <laughs> history. <laughs> no, didn't that already happen in Louisville? But can another a worse one happen? <laughs> well, well. Did you I th- see the game this year? Well, yeah, well, yeah, I saw it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brandon, I'm just going to come with to you with this question, and everybody can chime in too. Attack of Viola, does this game change your opinion about him? I mean, he he had a, a an eh kind of game, uh, two touchdowns, two interceptions, 22 for 34, 295 yards, at a 21.5 um, QBR. Also yeah. playing on a bad ankle. Also playing on a bad ankle, but does it does this does your opinion of him change with how this game went? Not at all. Not at all. I think I think Tua is a rare talent. I think that he. He's probably going to go down as one of the best quarterbacks in Alabama's history. And I think next year he's just going to be even more hungry. I think it's going to be a show between him and Trevor Lawrence once again. And I think that he's going to prove all the – I mean, the doubt is wrong from whoever doubted him in terms of the Heisman and with the way he played in the national championship. I think he's going to bounce back better than ever. Not, I'm not doubting but him Trevor at all. Lawrence and, and Tua at Heisman race, that – that's that. That's interesting. That and interesting. and uh, something else to note is that Jalen Hurts has been rumored to be in the transfer portal, so he's not going to uh, be at Al. I want some. I have some questions here. Austin Kendall, Oklahoma's quarterback, in the transfer portal. Jalen Hurts in the transfer portal. Tate Martell, mm-hmm. out of Ohio State, in the transfer portal. Can Florida State get one of these guys? Come on. Nah, Come man. on. Nah. I don't think so. <laughs> Is that wishful thinking, or because where where is the answer here? Where, where where is the answer? I don't who who can go and in one in one year because obviously this is a little bit of transition, but in one year, come and just stabilize this program. Nine wins, eight wins. I would say eight wins is stabilizing. That's that mm-hmm. would be something that we would people a bowl would game. Like. I, th- <laughs> I think a bowl game was where so Peter who, was the starting would be. Who happy. is who who is the guy that you guys say? Now, some of these guys will have to sit out, but who's the guy that you say, you know what, that could be a difference there? Oh, uh, well, I think your question is very, very well centered because nobody has any idea at this point. Everett you know, everybody was very hopeful that Justin Fields. <laughs> <laughs> that was it's so <laughs> sad how wishful thinking that was. Everett Golson. Yeah. Oh no, uh, Brandon Woodbush, bro. <laughs> I think the answer is obviously everyone's going to say Hurts because we've seen what he's done. He's a great quarterback. He has a lot of potential. But I honestly, I haven't seen any of Austin Kendall. I don't know. I assume he's more of a dual-threat type quarterback, can run the ball a bit more, kind of like a poor man's Baker Mayfield maybe. But I think they need someone who's just going to be able to take hits and not be afraid. Right. And not like – because Francois used to be that guy, but he's kind of become a bit afraid and he's – which of course you can't blame I, him. I don't think no oh him. no I don't blame him one bit he, he's right to do that which honestly. of course uh, I don't think it's been said on the show yet but Francois is returning for his final season of eligibility which that was that was broke sometime last week which 
uh, there's going to be another QB battle at Florida State, uh, and it, it's. I didn't think that I would be saying that again. I actually thought that uh, Francois would be uh, leaving in some sort of fashion, either transferring or just leaving on his own. There's still a chance. There is still a chance. But uh, rounding out really quickly the national championship talk, down a little bit of a rabbit hole, Trevor Lawrence, what – oh, my God. The ability Lord. for this man – this young man to sit and, and and I say young man as a 21 year old, it feels like we're just getting older every single day, guys. <laughs> um, the ability of this guy to sit in the pocket and just take an absolute beating from consistently, consistently, cons, excuse me, consistently one of the best defensive fronts in all of college football is absolutely incredible. We were saying it the entire time while watching the game, the ability for this man to sit in the pocket and really just keep his head up be able to look downfield and of course he did have some help with mm -hmm. a couple of uh fantastic catches by justin ross but eight months ago this kid was at his senior prom stop and he just beat you're making me feel alabama again. in the national championship not just beat like dominate dominate alabama in the national championship game wow can't relate to the prom thing but yes <laughs> i that is unbelievable this kid is and justin fields was billed as better Mm -hmm. So so now you go and look back and you go, oh, he smokes this guy. What what should some people are saying? He should sit out two years. I mean, he's got a he's got an awesome predicament. <laughs> yeah, mm -hmm. not not one that many quarterbacks find themselves in after their true freshman year. Uh, moving on to the NFL because there was uh, NFL playoffs this past week. A couple of uh, uh, of oh, games. Uh, <laughs> Chris with the hoot at, uh, and, and that's a, and that's a fine place to start. Saints and Eagles. Um, of course, the Eagles' uh, strong end-of-year run uh, fell strong apart. Strong start to that game. Too. Strong start to the game oh as well. <laughs> when, oh, wow. yes. when you oh, when Drew Brees opens up a game with an interception, you know you're you're kind of in trouble there. That was I saw that and I couldn't believe. It. <laughs> the biggest question though that I have coming out of that game, and you know, of course, fantastic for the Saints to move on to the NFC Championship. I think they're going to win the entire thing. I think they're going to win the Super Bowl this year. You can quote me on that. But one of the things that I had asked myself coming out of this is, okay, and so now that Foles, the, the magic, I'm not necessarily saying it's over, but the magic has calmed, and obviously decisions have to be made by the Eagles in the offseason. You, you wouldn't know that Foles was going to come back and do almost the exact same thing that he did last year this year. So which one's moving, if either moving at all? Is Wentz leaving? Is Foles leaving? Because reports are is that both of them want their own team. Gary, where do the Eagles go from here when it comes to Wentz and Foles? I don't know the exact control they have over Foles at the moment contract-wise, but they should keep him because Wentz is, seems kind of injury-prone to me. So why not keep a solid backup that you can trust? Brandon? I don't think there's a way for them to keep both of them. They're going to have to make a decision on one or the other, and I think, in my opinion, the decision should be Wentz because of his ceiling and of what he showed uh, showed us two years ago. Um, I think that Foles has had a great run. I think that when he goes to a different team in a different system, it's not going to be the same, but he's still going to be you know, a, de a decent starting quarterback in the league. But if they want to, to keep building on their future, they need to keep ones. I think I totally agree with Brandon. Carson Wentz was a week and a half away from winning the MVP um, two years ago. So you, you got to think – well, I guess it was a year. It was a year ago, actually. You're right. Yeah. It, it was a year ago. Nick Foles will be an Arizona Cardinal in three months. Ooh. Oh, oh, that's a hot take. Okay. They bye need bye a quarterback Rosen. that gets the ball out of their hands quickly, 
Nick Foles is that guy. So mm-hmm. you're telling me that Arizona's just going to completely wipe away their Josh Rosen pick? No, what? they'll keep him. They just want no, to, like, he's not ready. Kind of and keep Nick him Foles is old, but he can give you that two years of production. They mm-hmm. need Carson Palmer was a bum when he left Cincinnati. Uh, and he went to the, the Oakland playoffs. Raiders, and then went all the way around. He went to and the playoffs. He, they almost beat. They should have beaten. Yeah, they should have beaten the Packers that year. But, but I'm saying, I'm saying he revitalized his after he, he went to the Raiders and he went all around. He revitalized his career with the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Kurt Warner revitalized his career with the Cardinals. Nick Foles can continue this in the short short term for two years. And if you want Larry Fitzgerald to stay, you're gonna have to show him something because he's. That guy is he's one of the best wide receivers, greatest hands of all time, and he's wasting what he's still got left in the tank. I personally I want him to go to one of those elite teams. Like give get him to the to the Rams or something or get him to the Patriots. Get him somewhere. Don't get him to the Patriots. Get him somewhere <laughs> from the Cardinals. Are you say, the I, thought, I thought Fitzgerald says he's done after this year. Did he, yeah, there was an like, article that came out that he's weighing his options and everything again. Yeah, again. but he did this like he last could, year too. He I'm did it, sure. Yeah, but he didn't. Maybe my team's going to be good this year. Yeah, <laughs> he's got to go somewhere. I I think that that's so. That's my thing. Nick Foles, Cardinals, more the more of the story. But he I, thought about retiring. I kind of a year just ago. I kind of just have this very sinking feeling that the Dolphins, in a very kind <laughs> of limbo. Uh, with Tannehill, you know, he, he the reports are that he's going to be on the outs, and they're looking at a quarterback in the twenty twenty in the twenty twenty draft. Hopefully, Trevor Lawrence. I just have this very very sinking feeling that they are going to try to jump a gun on this rebuild, and they are going to try and get either once or falls. And I I don't know why. I just have that sinking feeling. Maybe it's misplaced, but just the way that the Dolphins have the front office has been. Now they do have they do have a couple of fantastic young wide receivers that they've gotten, but. In, in, in Grant and uh, Albert Wilson, but I just have this very, very sinking feeling that they're going to do something, and I'm kind of begging per- you on live radio not to do something. But. Nick, Nick, luckily the Nick Foles' name doesn't start with Chad, or else they would. Chad Pennington, Chad Henny, you're right. Mm-hmm. I, Chad checked down Henny. I think the Dolphins should just start a quarterback from within. Personally, I think Luke Falk is the guy that they need to go with. He's been a backup for the Dolphins this year. I think he's got good potential, and I think it could be a good year for him to learn and show what he's got because he didn't get he didn't get a chance this year. Right. Uh, so the other NFC matchup from the playoffs, the uh, the Cowboys and the Rams, uh, was a little bit closer game than I think a lot of us were expecting. But uh, what do you all think of the Rams coming out of this week? Do you st- is your confidence re-stabilized with the Rams, or are you still not sure about them, Brandon? I'm still not very sure about them. Um, they did run the ball very well against a great Cowboys run defense, which surprised me. I, I didn't think they were going to run the ball as well as they did. They had C.J. Anderson mm-hmm. and Todd Gurley both run for over 100 yards, which was very impressive. But um, Jared Goff didn't really impress me that much, to be honest, mm-hmm. and their defense really didn't impress me that much. They had you know, they had their, um, their stents here and there. They made a couple of big plays, but – I think their uh, secondary is very weak, and I think that a team like the New Orleans Saints are going to attack them and are going to, um, you know, take advantage of that like they did in the regular season. So I don't, I don't see them beating the Saints at all. So, so Ed, obviously, y'all know I'm a Saints fan, but honestly, based on the the performance of both the Saints and the Rams, I'm very scared to see either of these teams play either the Chiefs or the Pats. I just based on the performance of both the Chiefs and the Pats this past weekend, it's 
the Super Bowl champion is looking, especially the Pats. Well, against the Chargers. The Chargers had a great defense that ultimately didn't show up on Sunday. Um, Derwin James, I mean, you don't always, always got to throw credit to the alumni. Um, but, yeah, no, the, New England just dominated that game. The, the Super Bowl champion is looking very heavily in favor of the AFC. I'm not counting out the Saints or the Rams just yet, but... I mean, when you, I'm very excited to see this AFC Championship game because when you got that quarterback battle between Mahomes and Brady, that's going to be a good game. So, Gary, do you agree with Chris when it when it comes to the point that you think when it came to the the Patriots and Chargers game that it was just a Chargers defense that had played so well all year and just didn't show up, or do you think it's more than that? I think it's playing in Foxborough in in January playoff atmosphere the Pats show up they know how to do it Chargers don't know how to show up for that playoff atmosphere I think it's traveling east for the Chargers because that ultimately takes a lot out of you two weekends in a row like Brandon said and it's just the I don't know it's just I don't know how to describe it. it's just the Patriots football they just bash so you Cal in they travel to the northeast mm -hmm. yeah it it just was a frustrating game to watch I think I stopped watching like paying attention after the first half was over Nick, give me anyone from the NFC and then the Chiefs, and it will be one of the best Super Bowls in the last 20 years. Well, just, we, we've just already, anticipation. We've already seen Rams in Kansas City. Which people which, might want to see again. But I'm saying the Sands, the Sands aren't going to be no slouch either. But I want to say this. Nick, did you see the weather for the Chiefs game? Yes. Cold. What what do you guys expect from that game? That's that's all I want to know. I think it said they said anything between 10 degrees and below with Wind. Look, look, Woo. man. I'm from South so, Florida. Anything no below 60 is cold. cold. No passing in that game. I want. What's it called? The part that I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think the Chiefs have not. Wait, did they have not won a prime time game all year? They're playing in a prime time slot this year, and the Patriots don't do well on the road in the playoffs. Who's going to break? <laughs> <laughs> Who's going to want to win this game? It seems like both of these, this is the worst conditions for both of these teams, except for the cold for the Patriots, because the Patriots don't want to play that way. I definitely think it's going to be a grinded out game. And I think the first time they played, it was an instant classic. I, don't, I think it's going to be more of a, a messier game this time. But if the Chiefs do make it to the, the championship and they play one of these two teams from the NFC, it is going to be a show. And I cannot wait for that. Luke, Luke, very quickly, I mean, we, we've covered three of the games already, and we've already talked kind of a, a flew over uh, last game, Kansas City at uh, Indianapolis. A lot of us on the show last week thought the Colts were going to come in and do uh, do a number on the Kansas City Chiefs and surprise everybody and upset them, and obviously that, that didn't go well. Uh, so what's, what's next for the Colts? I mean, obviously this is a team that was kind of supposed to be in the middle this year, and they ended up making it to a divisional round. I mean, people have bad games, and – I would say the offensive line for Indianapolis didn't have a very good game, but Andrew Luck was atrocious. He was terrible. Um, it's tough to throw the ball in that weather, but he didn't even get – he had balls slipping out of his hands. So mm -hmm. it's it, – it, they're going to get Le'Veon Bell. They're going to get Le'Veon Bell next, next season. Okay. And so if you're saying what's next, I mean, Adam Vinatieri, we're looking at this kick right here. He missed the shortest field goal kick of his career. So – I think that the difference is next year you got to watch out. Colts, they're going to get Le'Veon Bell. And that's about all the time we have uh, for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in and being with all, with all of us tonight. A new release is up next. You're listening to Tomahawk Talk on WVFS Tallahassee, the voice of Florida State. Have a good night, everybody.